In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all of our sins, and by your Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and given His only Son to die for us, and for His sake grants us forgiveness for all of our sins. To those who believe on His name, He gives the power to become the children of God and has promised them His Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God.
created us, and in the incarnation of your Son, yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading appointed for this first Sunday after Christmas is from the book of Exodus, the 13th chapter. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. And when in time to come your sons ask you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. And therefore I sacrifice to the Lord All the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons, I redeem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. The Epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion and kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, my eyes have seen your salvation, a life for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Hallelujah. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at, the very, at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. But the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text from the Holy Gospel, the account of the presentation of our Lord Jesus to the temple, in the second chapter of St. Luke, verse 29 and 30, Lord, lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. It's deja vu all over again. The immortal line of the great Yogi Berra is described by the British-American columnist and television personality Alistair Cook as, quote, the baseball catcher who long after his retirement acquired a reputation for salty sayings of an original sort, plain dumb-sounding sayings, but memorable. It's deja vu all over again, so dumb-sounding that it is indeed memorable, that it is repeatable, or try this one, also attributed to Yogi Berra, it ain't over till it's over. And that's the message for us on this Sunday after Christmas, it ain't over until it's over, so don't go putting away all of the decorations quite yet. The Christmas Eve candles may be extinguished, the gifts under the tree undoubtedly by this time all open, the Christmas Day dinner table surely cleared, but don't take down the tree or at least leave something to remind you that this is still Christmas that's being celebrated. You're tired of Burl Ives, have a holly jolly Christmas, or Gene Autry's I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, or Elvis Presley's Blue Christmas, had nearly enough of even some of the wonderful hymns and the carols of Christmas that we've been singing in these past days, it's understandable. But don't let that Christmas spirit slip away from your heart quite yet. For those to whom Christmas is nothing more than gifts under the tree, it is indeed all over. But for those of us to whom Christmas is the celebration of the incarnation of God becoming flesh, it's not at all all over. God becoming flesh to dwell among us and to save us. For us, the celebration goes on. For us, Christmas isn't over until it's over, and it's not over yet. It only began on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and we, with the church throughout the ages, have at least another ten days of Christmas tide. Some call it Yuletide to celebrate. You've heard the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. It well represents the Christmas season. And I'm not talking about the time from Halloween when the witches and the goblins are taken off the store shelves and make place suddenly and abruptly for Santa Claus and for all other sorts of Christmas things, skipping even over Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about that kind of Christmas because that to the church is Advent. It's not really Christmas yet. But the world knows nothing about Advent. It knows nothing about what we call that important time of penitential preparation. The world knows no penitential preparation. The world knows no Advent, and so it goes immediately to Christmas. Christmas tied for the church is Christmas Eve to Epiphany, celebrating the arrival of the Magi on January 6th, 12 days, and we're only at day three. It's not over yet, but it soon will be, won't it? A week from today, and the celebrating of Christmas tide, even for the church, will be settling down, and then comes what we might refer to as re-entry time, the time for us to get back to life as usual as we enter into this new year of God's grace that's coming. Then comes that re-entry time, time to tackle anew all of the tasks and all of the troubles that we try so hard to put on hold so that we can celebrate this Christmas tide, putting them on hold knowing that we'll have to eventually face the problems of life and the problems that need resolving, contending with, confronting. And wouldn't you rather not have to do that? 
Wouldn't you rather get rid of all the problems that you have and that you have to come face to face with in the days to come? Just pitch them into the recycle bin like you have all the Christmas wrappings that you took off your presents in the last few days? Wouldn't you like to be able to do that? Toss them in the garbage can as you do the other trash in your life. Scrape them into the disposer and then just hit that switch on the wall and suddenly zoom. It's all gone. You don't have those troubles to contend with anymore. Those problems that are there, whether it's sins, sicknesses, and diseases, which are determined to begin the year with us and threaten to ruin it, or our own sinful disposition, and it's going to be there, our own sinful behavior throughout this coming year, which is more likely to do the same thing, to ruin the year before us, the sinful choices of others with whom we live, let's face it. We'd rather not have to live with and deal with the everyday consequences of sin in our lives and sin in the sinful world in which we live. Sin so messes things up for us. Our sin makes us and it makes so many others so miserable as we reflect upon its impact and its effect on our everyday lives. Whether it's your sin or my sin or someone else's sin, wouldn't you rather live without it? Well, dear fellow sinners, on this side of heaven, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in 2010 any more than it happened in 2009 or any previous year. You, we all, are destined to live out our days on earth in man's mess of sin and what he's made out of it. In fact, it's sinful for us to expect or to seek some imaginary place on earth where sin has no effect. It's a sinful waste of time and a sinful denial of reality, a reality which brings us face to face with our sin as we live in this world and our days out here so that we also then will see our need for the Savior who has come. Even consider Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus. As miraculous and memorable as the events of that one night must have been for them when the shepherds came, for example, to them in Bethlehem's grotto, yet they had to move on from that miraculous night into the sinful world into which each of them was born. They had to move on from the warm and the gentle welcome of adoring shepherds who undoubtedly told them of the magnificent angelic choir that sang from heaven's heights, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. As momentous and miraculous as it all had been for Joseph and Mary, and they were at the epicenter of this earth-shaking event of God becoming man, they still had to go back to a world that was sin-infected and sin-affected, a world which, of which they were very much a part. And so now the angels are gone. And now the shepherds are gone, and the wise men, as we call them, or the magi, bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, they're still in transit, perhaps hundreds of miles off, a good distance to go before they'd arrive and they'd find Mary and Joseph no longer in the grotto cave, but now St. Matthew tells us in the house. Going about life as normal now, undisturbed for a short time, but don't be fooled. It's only a divinely scheduled downtime. It's a time of 40 days after our Lord's birth. But before the Magi came, ushering in unknowingly Herod's slaughter of the infants in Bethlehem, but now it's a downtime, now the prescribed time for the newborn infant, the virgin's firstborn son, to be presented at the temple only 40 days after his birth. And so it was that Joseph and Mary and her firstborn son, circumcised weeks earlier, make that short six-mile trek from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Unbeknownst to any but God and perhaps Joseph and Mary, if they were even thinking about it, it's time for the temple's Lord to now go on to the temple itself. The temple's Lord going to the temple for the first time in his newly assumed flesh, his body, which in due time will be that sacrifice that brings to an end the need of any sacrifice to be made in the temple. And so St. Matthew would write in his gospel, something greater than even the temple is here. Make no mistake about it, Jesus had been born into this world to shed his blood for us. 
to take the place of all of the sacrifices that had ever been made in the temple because he was the completion of all of those sacrifices. They merely pointed to the ultimate Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world to keep the law perfectly for us, beginning with the shedding of his blood, even on the eighth day among us in his circumcision, continuing with his presentation in the temple on his 40th day among us, Jesus born to save his people from their sins and already the infant Jesus already is at work among sinners and for us sinners as an infant in the temple outside of which 33 years later Jesus would complete his redeeming work of reconciling a whole world unto himself by assuming unto his sinless body the sins of you and me and all of mankind and all of history and bearing the cross for all of the world. The temple which now on the 40th day after its Lord's incarnation greets the Lord through the words of an old prophet. An old prophet who was there in the temple, Simeon is his name, derived from the Hebrew word Shemon, which finds its roots in the Hebrew word Shema, which means to hear. Simeon, God hears. And God had indeed heard. For how many centuries had God heard the prayers of his people? Prayers ascending first from the tabernacle and then from the temple. Prayers anticipating and begging God to send his son, to send his long-awaited Messiah. Prayers spoken by common men like Joseph and maidens like Mary and old priests like Zechariah and old prophets like Simeon. Simeon, whose prayers God heard, and to whom the Holy Spirit had come, in whatever way the Holy Spirit would come to his prophets of old. And he promised Simeon that he would not see death until he had seen with his own eyes death's destroyer. Until he had seen with his very own eyes the Christ of God, the Messiah promised of old, the one of whom Isaiah the prophet's prophet has spoken when he reports that God spoke to his Messiah the Son, saying, I will also make you the light of the nations and my salvation even unto the ends of all of the earth. The Spirit of God spoke to Simeon and promised him that he would not see death until he had first seen death's destroyer, and now the hour had come. Now the hour had arrived, and Joseph enters the temple, and Mary, who bears in her arms God's only begotten, informed by the Holy Spirit, Spirit Simeon knows right away what only faith sees in the Son of God, and he takes the child from Mary, and he lifts the child up in his arms, and then, as I mentioned on Christmas Eve, as the child then embraces him, the old sinner, the old Simeon, the prophet says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Spirit-inspired words spoken by every generation of believers every Sunday since, as they, like Simeon of old, receive the Christ into their hands and lift him to their lips, not merely to kiss him and to bless him, as did Simeon of old, but to receive his very body and his very blood and there in that Holy Supper to be embraced by him even as we so often are. What happened to Simeon happens even unto each of us. Is it any wonder then that we would sing Simeon's song, Lord, lettest thou thy servant now depart in peace, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And remember, it's not the last thing that old Simeon said either. Looking at the Virgin Mother of our Lord, the prophet of God was required by the Spirit of God to speak of how that Son of God would be the salvation of the world. It simply didn't announce that he was, but it also told us how he would be the salvation of the world. Indeed, old Simeon said, this child is destined 
to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and he will be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword, Mary, will pierce your own soul, and the thoughts of many hearts will then be revealed. A sign spoken against, Simeon said, the one from heaven that marks the end of any notion of neutrality about God. Each man is either for him or against him. There is no middle ground. And thus his coming means heaven for many, indeed, by God's grace for all of us. But because man is by nature opposed to this Christ, it sadly means hell for many more. Sinners opposed to the very Son of God, which God the Father sends to save them. Sinners opposed to the very word and the very work of the Holy Spirit of God, who would enable them to say with Simeon and with all of us, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Sinners who would, three decades later, betray him and deny him and decry him, saying, Crucify him, crucify him, and fulfill Simeon's sad words to Mary, as she stands below the cross and beholds her son and her Lord and undoubtedly weeps, fulfilling the prophecy of old Simeon, Mary, a sword also will pierce thine own heart. A sword of sorrow pierced not only the soul of the mother of our Lord, but sorrow like a sword would pierce also the father of our Lord, and I'm not here speaking of Joseph. Our salvation cost God, cost God the Father dearly. Our salvation cost him his only begotten son. But isn't that the greatest gift of Christmas that God, as St. Paul says, spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all? Some time ago, a seminary professor was studying ancient Greek tragedies as he traveled across the country by train, and he came across the story of a Greek god who fell in love with an earthly maiden, and so he descended to earth to visit her, and when the visiting god found her, something had happened. She'd been in some sort of an accident, and so she lay in a pool of blood because of this accident that she had suffered, and the god was so repulsed by the sight of it at all, and by the sight of blood, that immediately he winged his way, so the Greek tragedy says, back to Mount Olympus where he could contemplate human suffering from a safe distance. Here was a God unwilling to encounter human pain and suffering and death in a painfully personal way, a God who insulated himself indeed from human suffering. But not so our God. He's not a God who feared the human suffering, which always comes as a consequence of human sin in a fallen sinful world. Ours is not a God who is afraid of blood or the shedding of it. A God who would insulate himself from it, not at all. In fact, our God became flesh in order that he might shed his blood so that he could, as St. Paul says, purchase the church of God with his own blood. That's what lay in store for our Lord on the other side of Christmas so long ago. A divine destiny which would secure your salvation and my salvation for all of eternity through a suffering and through a death which is as real as our sin. A death that would deliver us all from all human suffering ultimately and then ultimately from death itself and from the grave itself. You see, it's not nearly over even when Christmas is over. There's so much more of the world's greatest story yet to tell. So much more that in the history of our salvation, Christ has yet to do to secure for us an eternal tomorrow, which in Christ for us, and for all who believe in him is indeed only begotten. A blessed Christmas tide in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
who is a light to lighten the nations in the glory of his people. And we pray that, strengthened through him, we might, as old Anna, be moved to share the news of salvation with those who would hear it. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Hear us, blessed Heavenly Father, for the sake of your Son and our brother in the flesh, Jesus Christ, who has reconciled us unto you and lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit and who has taught us together to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is thy kingdom, and cast the bright beams of your light upon your church, that we, being instructed by the doctrine of the blessed apostles, may walk in the light of your truth, and finally attain to the light of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.